From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Happy mu- No, we don't do that when Kat's not here. Hey now. Hey now. Hey now, hey now, hey now. Hi friends, welcome to a Friday edition of the After 9 podcast. Uh, I'm going to tell you what's going on for the next couple of days and the next week, really. Kat is currently in the country. However, she's got a lot of pre-vacation shit to do. As you know, when you go on an all-inclusive vacation, you've got to make sure that certain things are done. You've got to make sure that when you show up at the airport, you actually have your passport. You've got to make sure that your luggage gets from your home to the airport so that the airport can properly lose it on you. All those sort of things need to be done, and Kat is very, very busy trying to figure out if she reserved a seat and paid for a check bag, and ah, she's in vacation hell. But there's no such thing really as vacation hell, because I think anyone would be happy to be heading to the Caribbean today. And that is exactly what she is doing. So no cat on After 9 today. She's also going to be off next week. We're going to do a whole week of solo Scott After 9 podcasts. I know those aren't for everybody. I know they aren't for everybody. And and if next week you don't want the solo Scott, no problem. Cat will be back a week from Monday. But since it is just me, I'm going to arrange a couple of guests that are going to come on after nine next week, and we're going to talk about some current events like we always do, but we'll maybe take a little bit of a political angle on some of those things because, yeah, I'm in a good mood. We get some good reaction when I do that from time to time. So today, I believe Dave Blizzard is going to be joining us. He sent a text saying he's on an important call, but he'll be here as soon as he can. He's going to join us mid-pod. So stick around for that. That's coming up. We're going to talk to Dave about daylight savings time and a whole bunch of other things. That, by the way, is happening this weekend. Uh, What else can we tell you here? Let's start off with this. Have you been hearing these calls for the prime minister to step down? Have you been hearing all these calls for the prime minister to resign? There's a lot of people you'll be shocked to hear. A lot of people don't like the prime minister. And and a lot of that goes back to COVID and a number of other things. There's been multiple ethics violations. Uh, He's been very divisive. He's won two very questionable elections. And and we still don't have a public inquiry on that. I'm really not sure why we haven't started the inquiry into foreign interference. But in any case, he's done pretty well at deflecting a lot of that blame. However, a lot of the calls for him to step down came from the opposition and from regular Canadians like you and I. Now it's coming from his own party, and I don't think Trudeau is prepared for this. I don't think he knows exactly how to handle the suggestion that he should step down. In fact, he's, he's, he's a fairly narcissistic guy, and I think he's probably shocked to hear that anybody thinks he should step down. But now calls are coming from within his own party. Senator Percy Down is calling for the Prime Minister to step down. No, Down is calling for him to step down. All right, that makes sense. Uh, Trudeau was asked about that yesterday in the House of Commons, and it's it's actually kind of funny, his reply. Hey, 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 sign in, a, in an op-ed, he's calling on him to step down. Sorry, who's that? Senator Down, a former... Li- uh, Sorry. Former Percy staff down? before Jean-Pierre. Oh, Percy. Percy. Oh, yeah. How's yeah. he doing? Oh, well, this is this. Uh, I, I uh, wish him all the best in the work that he's doing. Uh, he he this Who? Percy. Oh, Percy. Yeah, he was like Kretchen's chief of staff, and he's a senator. Yeah, yeah. How's he doing? He wants you to quit. He wants you to step down. Oh, Percy. Oh, yeah. How's yeah. he doing? Oh, well. Oh, well. I, I uh, wish him all the best. In the- 
Oh, my God. What a mess. Monday is going to be an interesting day in Ottawa. And this is huge because I didn't know if we would ever see this day. I thought that the federal NDP, Jagmeet Singh, and the federal liberals, Justin Trudeau, were totally in bed together. I thought they are going to go completely united because the second they fracture, what's going to happen is there's going to be an election and they're both going to get wiped out based on the current polling now. The conservatives have a 99% chance of forming a majority government in the next election. And they've already said, job one, axe the tax. Well, maybe the federal NDP is, is reading the tea leaves here. Maybe they're thinking to themselves, well, maybe it's not a good idea to tie ourselves to this wildly unpopular prime minister. Maybe we should start setting ourselves up as the alternative to the liberals. Well, the NDP has announced they're going to back Pierre Polyev's conservative motion to pull the carbon price off of home heating until after the next election. Pierre Polyev tabled that motion yesterday. He's insisting the government's decision last week to temporarily pause carbon price carbon pricing for home heating oil for three years is a divisive policy and it's meant to save liberal seats in Atlantic Canada. Now, the liberals say that pause actually helps Canadians across the country because there's a lot of people that use oil to heat their homes even outside of the Atlantic region. Well, yes, they're both right. They're both right. Yeah, Trudeau is absolutely using this to try and save his butt in Atlantic Canada. Uh, This is a place where he had a stranglehold, like all the seats, And now he's in danger of going down to one or two seats in all of Atlantic Canada because Atlantic Canadians who got slapped with the carbon tax on their home heating oil are freaking out at their bills now. And Trudeau is trying to save some votes. Sure. Now, the liberals are also right. There's a lot of people in other provinces that also use home heating oil. Oil is dirty. It really is. If you're using natural gas like 95% of Ontario does, you're probably using the greenest fossil fuel that you could use. You're doing as much as you possibly can short of installing a heat pump. I hear the heat pumps are really, really uh, helpful and I hear that they save money, but God damn it, are they ever expensive. I'm a little surprised that the government is just plain buying these for people and putting them in their homes. Nobody ever bought me a furnace. Nobody ever bought me a new washer and dryer or fridge or anything. Is that the goal? If people have inefficient or or dirty products in their home, the government will just buy you a new one? Well, that's what they're promising. You get a heat pump. You get a heat pump. You get a heat pump. Really curious to read the fine print on that. I'd also love to hear from people who bought a heat pump recently. Kat herself just bought a heat pump last week. Now they're giving them to people who are using oil. And a lot of people feel this isn't fair. It's okay to feel like that's not fair because it's not fair. We all pay taxes. All of us pay taxes, and it's really weird that the the government would pick out a certain region that uses more oil than anything else and target them for a big tax break and a free new heat pump. A little weird, right? Now, there are people in other provinces, but I'd be willing to bet the liberals didn't even know that. I think that they went into this thinking, we're going to do something real nice for Atlantic Canada, and we're going to get everybody back on our side, and we're going to buy a whole bunch of votes here by doing it this way. I think when they actually did a little research and realized, oh, yeah, shit, there's people in Ontario and Quebec and Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta, B.C., the territories that are using oil heat, too. Okay, there is our out. They've turned it into a war on oil. 
but they're also leaving it very ambiguous for those of us that are using natural gas. Natural gas, like I said, is kind of the greener alternative to oil. So if we're already using the greener alternative, we're already doing our part, kicking out far less emissions than those on oil, you would think it makes sense to give everybody a bit of a break. But they don't want to do it. So now Monday, it's coming to a vote in the House of Commons. And this should have been an open and shut vote, just like most of them. The conservatives will put up a motion. The liberals will say, ah, you don't have a plan for climate change. And it's the most important issue. And yeah, we got to do something about the environment. All right. I mean, I I don't think that's true. I've seen a climate plan from the conservatives. The liberals and NDP just choose to ignore it. Uh, That's fine. They can do that. They've got their own ideologies. Whatever. But when we go back to the issue of fair, if you're going to give some Canadians a break on the carbon tax because it is so expensive to heat their homes in a Canadian winter, you should give it to everybody. So Monday, we're going to have a vote on it in the House of Commons. This is your last weekend to tell your elected representatives how you feel and tell them either get rid of that tax or leave the tax the way it is. It's saving the environment and so on and so forth. Now the NDP has decided they're going to vote with the conservatives to pull the carbon tax off of home heating. So with the conservatives and the NDP, they certainly combined have more votes than the liberals. I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm curious to see if they make it a confidence motion. I'm going to guess not. And for those who don't know, a confidence motion means if the government loses that vote on a confidence motion, they've lost the confidence of the House, which means we have to have an election. So Monday is going to be an interesting day. Joining us now, in me in now in studio, Dave Blizzard. Hello. How are you? Sorry, oh, late. I'll turn up the other microphone for you there. Oh, yeah, there we go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Sorry, I'm late. Had high level meetings. Very important things. What are you up to these days? All the things. All the things. I, I feel like it's such a cop out. Yeah, it is. Because you're doing <laughs> shit that's confidential and you either can't tell me or can't tell the audience or both. Yeah. Well, put it this way. We're always working. We're always working on things, always working on opportunities, always trying to do different things and, and, and make special things happen. With our brands, our radio shows, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, constant brainstorming, constant planning, constant uh, work to see if we can make certain dreams happen. Like, we, we always have big goals, and we always want to make the best of, best of everything that we've got in front of us. So sometimes you got to spend a lot of time working that stuff out in the background. So by the time it gets to the audience, there's usually a lot of work that's gone into these things, like months. I'm amazed at what an incredible team of people we have and how hard they work to come up with some of the stuff that we do. Like Scott and Cat's 10K Chicken. We just wrapped that up. It is remarkable to me how many people were involved in making that a successful radio promotion and, and coordinating it the way we did across multiple radio stations. But hey, kudos, it worked. Well, and there's a fascination, I think, too, from some people on how we do it. Like, how's the sausage made, right, is the term that we often hear. People want to see how it's done behind the scenes. And uh, we can't take claim uh, and ownership for any one idea and all of the work that goes into it because you're right. We have a very wide-ranging team of people that all have, uh, you know, pieces to it. And everybody's responsibilities are important to make whatever we plan happen and make it even better than we had start planning for it to be, which is a, which is a challenge. I can imagine it is. It's fun, though. Is it weird that you know shit that I shouldn't know, but you and I talk casually as friends as opposed to boss and employee? Because I think we do a pretty good job at keeping a separation. And when we're in the office having a meeting, you're the boss and I'm the employee. When we're on the phone around 6 or 7 o'clock at night <laughs> and I'm half snapped and, and a little high at the same time. <laughs> 
<laughs> and just shooting the shit about guy stuff, that must be a little weird. No, not really. No, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, I have... And maybe I've calloused it over the years. Um, I know the difference. Like we can have a conversation that doesn't have to be about work. We have plenty of conversations that have nothing to do with work. And I don't feel like I've ever had to steer a conversation away from from anything. Uh, I think we kind of know where the boundaries are. Well, we have some experience in it in that uh, at the station we used to work at, my dad is an executive there. Yeah. And and so there was a lot of conversations where he knew shit that he wasn't allowed to tell me. He knew when I was getting fired and didn't tell me. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. Actually. I still grill him about that every now and again. <laughs> uh, okay. So I was actually just when you walked in the studio talking about Monday. There's going to be a vote in the House of Commons on whether or not they should take the carbon tax off of home heating. And as you probably heard, they took the carbon tax off for oil heat, which predominantly benefits Atlantic Canadians. But there's people across the country that use oil. Some areas, that's all you've got. Some areas are using fucking propane to heat their houses. I mean, it's It's wild. It's a much smaller percentage, but it's it. It feels to me, this feels like they're dealing with a very small bit of it but trying to make it seem like it's a much more wide-ranging coverage. Well, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, a philosophy thing. I mean, they're taking the tax off of that because oil is very expensive and because oil is very dirty, and they want to get rid of oil heating and presumably move everybody over to solar, but Mm -hmm. in the interim, most people are going to have to go natural gas. And there's Canadians saying, well, if you're going to take the carbon tax off of the oil, take it off uh, natural gas because that's already the greener alternative. But that would eat into too much of the money. It's, it's why I feel like you, they go for the small crumb, but try to make it a big thing. Like, the, again, I don't think there's that many people um, in the grand scheme of things that are going to be affected by this. I don't understand the carbon tax. Can I tell you that? Yeah. I'm a fairly smart person and I don't understand the carbon tax. I, I guess the initial point of it was if they put the tax on everything, we would consume less and, and for the money that we did spend, the rebates that they send us are supposed to offset it. But now everybody, including the parliamentary budget officer, is confirmed we spend more than we get back. Just, so I'm uh, trying to understand what exact what tax gives back more than it collects and calls it a success. Yeah, that's not the purpose of it at no, all, is it? it's not a money-making scheme. It's designed to make you use less uh, things that contribute to carbon emissions. And I think that on the surface, that is a great thing. However... Has that worked? Has no, because people don't understand it. No, that's what I mean. Has it? Has the carbon tax made anybody say, yeah, you know what? I got to turn the temperature down a little bit in the house because I don't want to have to pay that carbon tax. Or right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consume a little less because of well, the carbon tax. I don't hear that ever in na- just a normal general conversation. You know what I don't believe is another conversation that's happening is you've likely seen the commercials. You get two people sitting down and and they're just out having a good time, like maybe sitting on a patio or going for a walk together. And you hear one person say to the other person, you know, I'm very concerned about climate change. (laughs) No one has ever had that fucking conversation. It has never, ever happened. Nobody has ever looked at their buddy and said, you know, I'm really concerned about climate change. It's never happened. It's so unnatural. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of those Quest Trade commercials. Do you remember the, uh, it would always be like a two people, either a couple or siblings even. The, the one that makes me laugh the most is, the, is these two siblings that, first of all, look absolutely nothing alike <laughs> at all. Like, this is just central casting right here. Uh, grab two people, those ones. Um, and and uh, they're talking about trades. They're talking about investments and things. And uh, the guy starts explaining how Quest Trade works as an app. And the other one 
isn't using Quest Trade, and then the guy, the first guy, stops and with the most serious look, like the kind of look you would have on your face if you had to give somebody terrible news, like I have terminal st- stage four cancer and I've got about a week to live. This is what the look on the fa- guy's face was like, and he goes for trading, for trading stocks and bonds and everything and investing. He goes, "You're not still using mom and dad's guy, are you?" <laughs> And the, about. and the brother looks at him like, oh no, like, like his world's fallen apart. And like, that's not a normal conversation. Nobody in the world is having that conversation. Nobody is having that conversation. Stop it. It makes me laugh every time I see it though, because it's so unbelievably serious. And I, I don't think they give awards for acting in commercials, but by God, these, these, these guys deserved Emmys or something. They'd make up an award for this because it was, it was incredible. Don't you think they should, though? We've got all these award shows honoring everything from Broadway to movies, television. There's more commercials than anything else on television. You'd think there would be a category for that. I think Spike TV, if I remember correctly, I may, maybe only did this once or twice, but I want to say like in the early 2000s, they did like the they did the commercial awards and mm-hmm. they made it like an MTV music awards kind of style where it was just like all wacky and weird. But it was it was all commercials and and they aired it on normal TV. And I'm like, do people want to sit and watch commercials for two hours? Yeah, it was like a big commercial about commercials. Yeah, it was spectacular. Did you hear the Super Bowl sold out already? Is it really? Yeah, for mm-hmm. for the halftime show and for uh, for ads throughout the game. Do you have to pay up front, or do you pay after the commercial airs successfully? Oh no, you you're paying up front. I think you are too. Oh yeah, you're yeah. playing for the space. So it's not like they can say, "Oh, turns out we're in a massive recession and we don't want to spend thirty million dollars on thirty seconds." No, you you no. I think if you're going to commit thirty million dollars or whatever it is, I think it was eight million dollars for thirty seconds. Wow, or something in and around that area, which it's is obnoxious, by the way. Oh, it's crazy. I was trying for to like think, twenty dollars, you can get the same amount of time on radio. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of the value um, compared to the Sphere in Vegas. So they they do sell advertising for that big giant venue. That really is just an, an emoji when when it's just during the day and nothing's being advertised on it. But you can buy advertising for it for something like a hundred thousand dollars a day mm-hmm. or four hundred thousand dollars for a week of whatever you want on the screen animated. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I, I just don't I don't have four hundred thousand dollars to spend yeah. on a random commercial that I want to put on a, on the sphere. But I I can't wait to go and see something at that venue because I've had friends that went to the U two shows and said it is. It's mind boggling how they do it. So the shot that I keep seeing in I'm in a weird algorithm on Instagram right now. It's <laughs> fucked up. It's all conspiracy theories and golf. And and there's a couple of golfers who have figured out there's one particular hole on that golf course, like downtown Vegas, where as you're going up it, it looks like the eye from the emoji is watching your shot. Yes, I've seen that. I've seen the videos. It's amazing. Yeah. I would pay $350 US <laughs> for around there just to get that selfie with this thing watching me. It, it's it's amazing. Um, have you seen video from inside the sphere, like during yeah. a show, like the U2 shows? Uh, a friend Ooh. of mine saw U2 there last week. Yeah. And he said even U2 was good. Yeah, my friends, my friends, I have two friends who went. One is a super YouTube fan. The other one is just kind of I wanted to go see the spectacle. And both of them were jaw dropped on the way out. Just like, I can't believe this whole thing. Like the way that the sphere moves and the way it feels like you're you're in motion while it's happening. And um, both of them were at different shows and told me that people had passed out in front of them, like from just being dizzy. 
Really? Yeah. Now, who knows what they were on? Who knows what they were doing? But they, both of them, different shows altogether, said that they saw people passing out because they were just completely discombobulated. I remember when I was younger, it was a huge deal when we got to go to the Cinesphere. Yeah, the, the big, Cinesphere was awesome. The big bubble at Ontario Place, which they're probably going to just roll that right into the fucking lake for the massage place that's coming and that, <laughs> whatever i don't care but i remember feeling dizzy from watching shows in there i guess the the sphere in vegas is basically just a modernized glorified and supersized cinesphere that sounds about right like imax stuff would be incredible in there but uh my one buddy said the sound in there is like nothing he's ever heard before he said he said it's it's absolutely pristine and immaculate and it's unbelievable that they have managed to to do this in a way that they have and they've had the best of the best of sound engineers and everybody in there trying to figure out how sound will bounce here and bounce there and they have figured it out apparently and it is stunning so i i'm i'm so pumped to go and and check that out but uh if i had to decide if i'm spending money on the advertising on the on the, the sphere or if i'm buying a super bowl commercial i think it's the, the value is probably in the sphere yeah you should film yourself like doing like a lap dance or something and just have that on there. <laughs> just on the screen. <laughs> yep. That'd be great. I, I like the idea that they're going to do like, you know, in the summertime, make it a beach ball and just, it, it's just fun. It's, yeah. it, but uh, amazing stuff. Okay. Let's run through a few things here. Amusement parks, obviously popular, but not a lot of companies operate them. Now, even less. Six Flags in America has merged with Cedar Fair to create the biggest amusement park operator in the world. They've got parks in 17 U.S. states and three countries. Canada's Wonderland is one of them. They're included in this. The combined company is worth $3.5 billion. 27 amusement parks, 15 water parks, nine resort properties in the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. They also have the licensing rights for DC Comics, Looney Tunes, and Peanuts. Wow. So Wonderland got sold back in 2006. Paramount Parks sold it to Cedar Fair. Now, Cedar Fair is comboing up with Six Flags. If they release like a, a season's pass that gets you into any of them, there's going to be a hell of a lot of road trips next summer. Yeah, and that's so much fun. Uh, and Wonderland's, uh, Wonderland's great. It really is uh, in comparison to some of the other ones too. It's a really, really good park. And um, I always remember that people have struggled when they changed the names to certain things. Like Tomb Raider became Time Warp, uh, Top Gun became Flight Deck or something like that. It's because Paramount had Top Gun. Yeah, the license for everything. It, uh, this, I think it's called the Backlot Stunt Track or something to that effect. It used to be like Italian Job or yep. something to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to change a bunch of them because of that. So I wonder if they can bring in... You know, maybe we're going to start to see some Marvel stuff yeah. showing up at Wonderland where you're going to you, maybe maybe Top Gun gets renamed or uh, Flight Deck gets renamed to like Iron Man or something. Who knows? So one of the things that I've had on my radar for years now, especially when we're in the housing crisis that we find ourselves in, there is some really prime real estate, just a massive chunk of property right around the 400 in Major McKenzie. Prime real estate just south of the green belt. That's where Canada's Wonderland is. And back in the day, when Toronto basically stopped at the 401 or right around Downsview, and it was all fields going north until you got to Newmarket, it made perfect sense to have Wonderland there. Now that we're such a big, expansive area, I think it's time to call in two men in a truck and move Wonderland <laughs> down to Niagara. I think it's time to put Wonderland in the falls. That, I think, would be amazing. And if it's going to happen... 
It'll happen under the Cedar Fair Six Flags watch. People have been talking about this for years. I don't think you can just put it on the back of a bed of a truck and just say, all right, let's haul this over. Well, three or four trucks and a couple trips, (laughs) just like when you're moving. Could you imagine you're at two men in a truck or something, one of those moving companies, and you get the phone call, hey, we're going to need you to help us move behemoth. (laughs) Pardon me? But that'd be one of those things. They'd make like a whole documentary special out of how you move an amusement park. Would you? Okay. I wonder if this is anywhere similar. So would you say it's the same kind of thing as Ikea furniture? I find that you can build Ikea furniture, follow the instructions that don't have any words, just that weird little ambiguous guy just standing there pointing at things and smiling. And I don't know why he's smiling. Put it over there. Maybe he's smiling because he doesn't have to build any of this stuff. But anyway. Insert the wood. Yeah. So you're building your dresser, you're building your nightstand, your bed frame, whatever it may be. Trying to take it apart to move and put it back together again is a nightmare. It never goes back together no. the way it was the first time it was assembled. Never. It, it's creaky or it's moving or a leg doesn't stay in properly or something always goes wrong. It's inevitable. So if they're trying to move like <laughs> drop zone, <laughs> like t- take it to Niagara. It's leaning now. What yeah, the fuck? Yeah, now it's like the leaning tower of Pisa and you're like, do I go on this ride? I don't think I do anymore. Like, I wonder if they, they accidentally put pieces of uh, Leviathan together with like the wild beast and all of a sudden there's a loop that you didn't expect and you're like this is a different color it's this is made out of wood this is not like what are we doing here I don't think behemoth had any wood in it guys I think we've mixed the up the pieces <laughs> the mind buster still compressing people's spines no matter where it is you know it's fun <laughs> I think it would be an interesting move and I think it would make a lot of sense uh, let's move on there's a lot of other things to get to here We set the clocks back an hour this weekend. This is the one that people bitch about a little less than in the springtime when they go forward and they lose an hour of sleep. This is the weekend where you gain an extra hour of sleep, in theory. If you're a parent of a young child like David here is, they don't know. It just means you're going to be up an hour earlier. And I think that's part of the reason that people are sick and tired of changing the clocks. Yeah, I think it takes too long to get used to it. And by the time you do, we got to change it again. And you know who it throws off? The dogs. The do- dogs? Yeah. Really? I've never noticed. It throws them off because if they're routine driven when they, they go to the bathroom at the same time in the morning and things like that, it, it does throw them off. Uh, and it usually takes a few days for them to get kind of kind of situated again. Well, it throws people off too. Oh, I yeah. I mean, I drive to work tired all the time. Mm-hmm. I get up at three o'clock in the morning every fucking day when I'm coming to work, going up Guelph line in the dark, I am exhausted and there's deer running around and yeah. coyotes and raccoons and all sorts of shit. But I've never been so tired that I start crashing into shit. Apparently, there's people out there who, setting the clock one hour differently than it was, it just turns into goddamn bumper cars. Yeah. Well, you force your body to go through extreme change, though, uh, regularly, because it's not normal to get up that early. It's just not. Your body's not designed for it. So you're already setting yourself up for that. So the average person who maybe has a very, very specific routine every day now has to flip that up. And even an hour can completely throw that to the wolves. In case you're having a bit of a Mandela effect vibe, you're not crazy. We did vote three years ago to scrap the seasonal time changes here in Ontario, but the law's got a catch in it that it doesn't actually kick in unless Quebec, New York, and Michigan all agree to do the same thing. Because God forbid you cross at the Peace Bridge or over at the that new Gordie Howe Bridge, whenever that's going to be done, and, and it's an hour different. They just don't want that if you're crossing into New York or Michigan or even into Quebec. So now we're all at the mercy of these three, well, two states and a province waiting for them to do it. And 
I'm starting to think, fuck it. I don't care if I go to Buffalo and they're an hour ahead or behind. I don't care at all either. You know, like, let's just get everybody on the same page. Is there a scientific reason for it? Is there a reason why they're not doing it? Or is it just, well, we want everyone to be on the same playing field? Because where it changes from um, central time to eastern time to what to mountain time to east to western time, all of that, they still have their borders mm-hmm. where somewhere along the line, it's I take a step to the left and now it's an hour later. Yeah. That happens everywhere. So what difference does it make if the if Michigan does it or if New York State does it? If somebody has a really good explanation for it, I'd love to hear it. I'm I'm open to hearing it. I'm not saying that there is no explanation. I just don't know what that what it is. Would it really screw up like truckers and their hours or something like that? I, I'm trying to figure out why we need to be in lockstep with New York, Michigan, and Quebec when it really doesn't matter. And once we do it, they might do it anyway just to keep up with us. So I think it just makes sense to say, fuck it. This is the last time we're changing the clocks. It is the end of daylight savings, and we're never going back. Now, the trade-off is, in the summertime, we're going to get sunset around 8, 8.30 instead of 9, 9.30 for a little while. The rest of the time, everything is fine. I don't see why we would have to keep changing the clocks. No, I don't don't like it. I don't like it. I feel weird about it for, you know, a week every time, forward or back. And I never, I never liked the spring forward, fall back thing Why? because you can fall forward. You could fall forward very easily. <laughs> I've done it several times. <laughs> more, le- more, more lately than ever before. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I've said it a million times. When you turn 40, things change. My fucking balance is all off now too. Now, mind you, I only have one good leg, but nonetheless, I mean, shit, I'm bumping into stuff. All Are over you really? The place. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I need new glasses and I just got these ones on. I get I get frustrated when I run into things that shouldn't be or are in places where they shouldn't be. So my wife will hear the wrath of it quite often when it's a stub toe or something like that. And why is this here? But now it's turned into why is this here for things that are always there? Yeah. You know, like my bed frame never moves, but I run into it. I'm like, why is this here? <laughs> well, because that's where the bed is, dummy. You've been in your place for a while. Are you completely unpacked? Oh yeah, yeah. Really? I'm I'm the I'm the kind of person who even on vacation you get home. My bag's unpacked before I sit down. Really? Yeah. I can't I can't leave it and just slowly take the laundry out or slowly put away the toiletry bag and whatever else else is in the suitcase. It has to be done when I get home. I'm going to call my girlfriend out. We've now uh, lived there for almost two years. There's still shoe boxes on her side of the bed. Shoe boxes? She can't find a place to put all the shoes. I know. I know. It's a f- first world problem. She's got shoes and doesn't know where to put them. So she's just left them sitting in our bedroom up against the wall. Do you know for like $11, you can get a shoe rack at Walmart? Oh, I know. What, what is the, why don't you be that guy and say, hey, I went and I got, it's, be that guy who's even uh, taking it a next step up. Because Spend $30 on a not bad shoe rack for her. I couldn't possibly keep up with the technology that constantly seems to be changing in the shoe world because if i come home with some look at this honey you can hang it in the closet and it just folds down like an accordion and it holds your shoes i bring home one of those and she's going to show me something that looks like a goddamn transformer where you push a button and tap an app and and it just comes out of the ground in the, in the garage or something do you have a conversation with her to say what do you want to do with these i should have an intervention but not as a confrontational like what are you going to do with these but what do you want to do with these? Should we buy some shoe racks or something? Just just set it up like that so it's her idea. 
Make it her idea. That's great. Yeah. Although she listens to the pod regularly, so that's not going to work now. I'm hmm. going to need a plan B that you keep to yourself. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> See, this is why some of these are inside conversations. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> not, you're right. Not designed for in front of a microphone. Uh, I'm going to play something for you that I didn't think any of us would ever hear. I never thought that in my broadcast career I'd be introducing a new song from the Beatles. Right. But there's a new song from the Beatles, and we're going to play a little bit of it right here. During the course of Get Back, that ultimately led us to develop a technology which allows us to take any soundtrack and split all the different components into separate tracks. My dad would have loved that because he was never shy to experiment with recording technology. I think it's really beautiful. And there it was, John's voice, crystal clear. And now it's true. It's all because of you And if I make it through It's all because Of you Well, that's shit. What? You really? like that? Dude, there's... We have a totally different Dave's opinion. Dave's got of the, a, of the, a love of music that I'm going to exploit right here. <laughs> I'm going to cough here. Hang on. The The Beatles are overrated. I'll just say it. You're I insane. Mean, they're, they're insane. Honestly, if you p- there are Taylor Swift records out right now that will stand the test of time. Years from now, it doesn't matter where you go, you'll still be hearing Shake It Off. And while the Beatles have got a couple of those ones, you're certainly never going to see them achieve that level of success that today's stars have. You are, I think you're now you're trolling. No, you, you must be trolling. I'm trolling a little bit. <laughs> you must be trolling. But I do think the Beatles, it's not, it's, it's never been my thing. Like a c- couple of songs, I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Oh, I, I just don't understand the hype over the Beatles. Well, they're, I don't know, where do I even start? I, <laughs> yeah, you're getting angry now. <laughs> it's, it's frustrating to have a music conversation with someone who does, like, doesn't see it at all the same. I think that they're revolutionary. Um, they were a band at the time doing something that nobody had ever seen before. And that stuff does still stand today. I think of like A Hard Day's Night help revolver sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band like magical mystery tour they did all of this in a really short amount of time their their actual recording together and releasing of albums it didn't last that long like it was like 63 to oh when did their last one come out i think it was 70 73 no that was a best of so you're looking at let it be in this in 70. Like that's not a long run, but think of the iconic music that they made in that super short amount of time. It's wild to me. They were good at the time because they didn't have nearly as much competition. Oh, it's has nothing to do with the competition. I can actually get moved listening to the Beatles. Really? Yeah. Like listening to that, that clip, I got goosebumps. Okay, so what do you do with it, though? Like, as a radio programmer, you have uh, pop stations and adult contemporary stations. You've got a lot of rock stations that fall under you. Do you play that on the radio? I mean, it's not even a full song. They just used AI to extract part of the demo so that they could remove the the music that was there. Because I think it was Paul McCartney said the piano was very loud when he recorded it. You couldn't hear him that well. But using AI, they can isolate that track. Well, it's it's production. It's it's less AI than it is just production tricks and things that they do that they've been doing forever. And I love that the the comment in there was that John would have been 
open to all of this because he was always experimental with music. Look at the stuff he did with Yoko Ono. Like that is some wacky stuff. Um, he was fine to, to try things that maybe not were the most mainstream. So it's interesting to me to, to think all these years later, Paul McCartney is still out there touring. Ringo Starr is still out there touring and there I've actually been able to meet Ringo and, wow. and it, it, it felt like, wow, when I met him, like there's very few people that you meet that you go, holy crap. And I know that if I met Paul McCartney, I would, I would just think like the amount of talent that came out of this guy, the amount of music that is inspired and influenced millions and millions and millions of people around the world and musicians like to me, like that's, that's the romantic side of music is that it speaks to people on different levels. And for me, there's, I think they're the best band ever. Could you see that sound fitting into today's radio environment? Like, will that get played on rock stations or pop stations or like would a top 40 station like, like ours or, or any of them be playing a Beatles record in 2023? Well, so we played it yesterday on 91.5, the beat. Really? Yeah. And, and presented it as a, look, this is the Beatles. This is the song. Um, now, what you played was was a clip of of the production of it. So the song is complete, and the song is it's it's a full song. But we played it, and we asked people what they thought of it, and th- the general response was that it was just very sweet, and people felt nostalgic about it. Oh. So some people like said, if your grandparents recorded a record, totally. They they that's exactly the way people s- responded to it. They said it just feels comforting, like it feels like something that reminded them of their parents or their grandparents, which is which is a nice thing. That is a nice thing. One more thing I want to ask you, and because we're almost at time already. I'm just sad it didn't feature Ice Spice, because that then it would have made sense. <laughs> <laughs> Played all the time. The Beatles featuring Ice Spice. That's great. Well, remember a few years ago, Kanye, Rihanna, and Paul McCartney? Yeah. On four or five seconds, and everybody was like, what a weird combination. But that song was great. Mm-hmm. It was a really good Terrific. song. I'll give you that. Yeah. We all know the geography of Southern Ontario. You've got Toronto right there on the water. And then just around the other side of the harbor there, the lake, the inlet of Lake Ontario, I don't even know what to call it, (laughs) is Hamilton. Hamilton, one of the biggest cities in Canada, but it kind of lives in the shadow of Toronto. Well, now Mayor Andrea Horvath says work is going to begin this spring on the major promised renovation of First Ontario Centre, formerly Cops Coliseum. She says the goal is to create a venue that will be the centerpiece in revitalizing Hamilton as a premier music, sports, and entertainment destination. They are going to upgrade First Ontario Centre to an 18,000-seat venue with premium features. It's going to look great. I actually saw the plans. My question to you is, will Hamilton ever be a premier music, sports, and entertainment city? I see it as possible, but, you know, when Taylor Swift is planning out a tour or when uh, Justin Timberlake and NSYNC are planning out their tour, I feel like they don't even look at Hamilton. It's always just, yeah, we got to play Toronto, got to play Toronto. When there's a huge portion of the population in Hamilton and Halton and Niagara. Well, not even that, but think southwestern Ontario beyond Kitchener, London, uh, go out that way. If I live in London... It's not that bad to get to Hamilton. Right. It's a lot different to have to drive to Toronto. So London is also one of those weird, it's kind of like an island onto its own at times, right? It's got uh, Budweiser Gardens there. So shows- Great arena. Great arena. So shows will go, 
and often do like the Toronto London or Hamilton London or Hamilton Detroit or something to that effect. So like the Foo Fighters will play Toronto and then the next leg of their tour, they play Hamilton. Right. And so I think that they've had really great shows there. Rage Against the Machine last year did Hamilton and Toronto on the same tour and they had sellouts of both shows. There's no reason we can't do it. I would really like to see Hamilton reach that status because, A, I think it deserves it, and, B, getting in and out of Toronto is just too much of a pain in the ass these days. Unless you're actually already living in the city and you can just jump on a streetcar or a bus or a subway, it's just too fucking inconvenient. Put more things in London, more things in Hamilton. I'd even be okay with more things up Barry Simcoe County way, even if it is just at Rama. Well, I had a good conversation with somebody last week when when talking about Rogers Centre and the renos they're doing there. And the plan, if I remember correctly, from the higher-ups of the Blue Jays, they had said that they wanted the Renos to kind of take Rogers Center to the next 10 to 12 years, and then it would be time for a new building. So my question would be, well, where would that go? And I kind of like the way they did it in Atlanta, where the stadium for the Braves is not in the downtown core. It's Kind of like if you had to compare it to Toronto, it would be like the Etobicoke of Atlanta. Right. It's kind of where it is. It's just outside of Smyrna, Georgia. So it's it's off to its own. It's got its own little kind of community. It's got ample parking. It's got an easy in and out access to the stadium. If they were to take the next evolution of the Blue Jays home stadium and put it in a place like Burlington, Oakville, is there space there to do something like that? Would we put it... Would we put it somewhere north of of Highway 7? How I don't about know. where Wonderland is? <laughs> You're really big on moving Wonderland. <laughs> Rip out fucking Wonderland. You can roll some of those coasters right down Clifton Hill into the falls, and we'll all have a great laugh. And then you put the stadium there. I actually think Downsview is the better place to put a new stadium. I think they got to get it out of the downtown core completely. It's, it is so hard. To get in and out of there uh, with reasonable, you know, means and, and timing and, and everything. Like I go to a show and, uh, you know, got the baby with us. If we go to a, a ball game or something like that, like I, it's not as easy to do the transit thing with all that stuff you got to carry, the strollers, all that extra stuff. So and because I don't live in the city, sometimes that train connection at night isn't isn't as as smooth as you'd like it to be. So it takes you way longer to get home. It isn't easy to get to. It isn't easy to get in and out of unless you're leaving in the sixth inning because you're trying to beat traffic. Maybe we should put a new stadium in the falls. <laughs> you want everything in Niagara Falls. <laughs> I want everything falls. in Niagara Falls. <laughs> All right. We got to go. Uh, do we owe any apologies to anybody? Yeah, we could do a few of these. Apologies that I was late, first of all. Ah, nice. Uh, so sorry. Uh, an acknowledgement. Yeah, it's an acknowledgement more than it is an apology, really. Uh, so sorry to anybody who's still investing with mom and dad's guy instead of Quest Trade. <laughs> <laughs> You're not still investing with mom and dad's guy. And then the, are you the blank look on his face? Like, Oh Jesus Christ. I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Roller coaster enthusiasts are owed an early apology because we might accidentally put some of the wonderland rides together wrong. If the park moves to Niagara, like Scott suggested, sorry to Beatles fans uh, for literally everything Scott said about the band. Um, overrated. Oh boy. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Uh, there's not much more than boils my blood uh and uh let's just go straight to the end here and the most important thing of all is an apology to mike tyson not for any reason in particular but just because it's a good idea uh, throw one in there for trudeau too you missed the first part of the podcast oh do we oh, okay all right <laughs> mr prime minister uh we're sorry sorry we're sorry you don't know how to answer a question oh on the no fly. okay no we're not qualifying it gotta go everybody have a great weekend i will see you on monday for another 
after nine. The Beatles released a new song called Now and Then, features all four members of the band. Yeah. For younger viewers who don't know how huge the Beatles were, just imagine four Taylor Swifts in matching suits. <laughs> Starbucks unveiled its holiday menu yesterday, which includes a new iced gingerbread oat milk chai, which is great if you're looking for something both seasonal and humiliating to say out loud. <laughs> the FDA proposed banning a harmful chemical that is added to many sodas. Yeah, and one guy chugging Mountain Dew Code Red was like, wait, this isn't organic Code Red? <laughs> According to a new study, men who picked up their cell phones more than 20 times a day have 21% lower sperm concentration, which... Begs the question, what are they picking it up with? 